Welcome to the Catch the Fire London podcast. We hope and pray you'll encounter God as you listen to this message. I thank you for the diligence she has shown in the secret place this week, pursuing your heart for us as a church, pursuing your voice for us as a church. And I ask you to just pour out your power and your presence upon her right now, Holy Spirit. Release your fire into her so that as she ministers to us, you would be revealed. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Yeah. Over we go. Nice little slobber going on there. Right, let me just get my uh, get my notes set up. Okay, so we are in John at the moment. Um, and so we're looking at this week on uh, Jesus being the greatest. And so if you want to uh, turn with me to John 3.22. I'm reading from uh, the Passion Translation. Um, okay. Love it. I love at the moment just um, starting in the scripture that we're kind of following at the moment. You know, scripture is God breathed. And when we get to read it and, and read it out loud, it does something. You know, it says in the, in the Bible, when you the, decree a thing, you see it established. So when we read the word out loud, we see what is written established. You know, it's the Holy Spirit within it. And as he, he breathes in us and we breathe it out, there is something beautiful that happens there. So, um, John, friend of the bridegroom. Brilliant. Um, Then Jesus and his disciples went out for a length of time into the Judean countryside where they baptized the people. At this time, John was still baptizing people Enon near Salim, where there was plenty of water, and the people kept coming for John to baptize them. This was before John was thrown into prison. An argument then developed between John's disciples and a particular Jewish man about baptisms. So they went to John and asked him, Teacher, are you aware that the one you told us about at the crossing place, he's now baptizing everyone with larger crowds than yours? People are flocking to him. What do you think about that? John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless God bestows it. You heard me tell you before that I am not the Messiah, but certainly I am a messenger sent ahead of him. He is the bridegroom, and the bride belongs to him. I am the friend of the bridegroom who stands nearby and listens with great joy to the bridegroom's voice. And because of his words, my joy is complete and overflows. So it's necessary for him to increase and for me to be diminished. For the one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks from the natural realm. But the one who comes from above is above everything and speaks of the highest realm of all. His message is about what he has seen and experienced, even though people don't accept it. Yet those who embrace his message know in their hearts that it's the truth. The one whom God has sent to represent him will speak the words of God, for God has poured out upon him the fullness of the Holy Spirit without limitation. The Father loves his Son so much that all things have been given into his hands. Those who trust in the Son possess eternal life, but those who don't obey the Son will not see life, and God's anger will rise up against them. 
gosh. So this is quite a well-known um, event in the Bible, you know, when, when people are um, coming to John and saying, you know, what is going on? Um, you know, the guy who you said is the one is baptizing in, in great loads, and there's a bit of tension there around, um, you know, what is going on at the time. And John has some really amazing insight, which, which I absolutely love. Um, uh, I, really, I really love it. And I just want to start by focusing, sorry, Tanya, I don't know if I gave this one to you. I really want to focus on just the verses 31 to 33 at this point. Yes, thank you. She's on it. Yay. Um, so, for the one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks from the natural realm. But the one who comes from above is above everything and speaks of the highest realm of all. His message is about what he has seen and experienced, even though people don't accept it. Yet, those who embrace his message know in their hearts that it's the truth. Okay. So what is John highlighting here? This is going to get a bit confusing because there's John the Baptist and John who is writing. So I'm just going to label John. <laughs> so what is John highlighting here? One, he is acknowledging that Jesus is above everything. He is declaring Jesus as Lord, as Messiah, and he is recognizing him as God and that Jesus has the position of authority. So in this place, you know, when Jesus, um, later on in the Bible, when he's chatting with the disciples and they're saying, you know, who do you say I am? This is who John the Baptist is declaring who Jesus is, is to him. He's saying he is the Messiah. He is the one who has the highest authority. He has, um, you know, the highest authority in the realm and everything is bestowed upon him. He also tells us that Jesus has a message. And this message is coming from the experience that he has in the higher realm. So again, it is, it is telling us that he is, he is on this earth, but he's not of this earth. That he comes from a higher realm and has experience of a higher realm. And that is the knowledge with which he comes and brings to us. It's of something that is happening in heaven. And that some people may not accept this message. Some people will, but some people won't. Some people won't understand it. But even though um, if you don't understand it and you don't accept it, it doesn't make it false. Just because you don't understand it, just because you may not get it, it doesn't make the message that he's bringing false. And so he's saying, and he's saying about Jesus, what he's declaring is truth. So... What does knowing that he is the greatest do to us? And what should it do to us? What we hear is about this bit that John goes on to speak about, about embrace. That those who embrace Jesus' message, that those who embrace him as Lord will know its truth. And so I just had a look into what does embrace mean. And embrace means to accept willingly and enthusiastically. So when we embrace Jesus' message with willingness and readiness and enthusiasm or intense and eager enjoyment, we will know in our hearts that it is the truth. So there is a, a statement here that he is talking to us about not only Jesus as Lord, and Jesus having a message, but the state of which we should be in to receive that message and to take it into our hearts. And John shows us here in verses 28, 30. I'm just going to read it. You've heard me tell you that I am not the Messiah. 
but certainly I am the messenger sent ahead of him. He is the bridegroom, and the bride belongs to him. I am the friend of the bridegroom who stands nearby and listens with great joy to the bridegroom's voice. Because of his words, my joy is complete and overflows. I love that. There is joy that belongs to us as friends of the bridegroom and of the bride because of just hearing his voice and being in his presence. And our joy is complete and overflows. It's not a partial joy. It's not a happiness that is based on our circumstances. There is a deep-seated and deep-rooted joy within us that happens when we embrace the message that Jesus, that Jesus brings, embrace its truth, and embrace who it is. That knowing that Jesus is king, that he is the highest, that he is the greatest, releases joy in us. And, you know, I, I look and I see around the world that there are many situations that are dire, that do not look like in the natural that someone should be joy-filled. You know, there are many places, even if we look in our own neighborhoods, you know, we don't have to look far. We don't have to look, you know, to, to places in the destitute um, you know, on the garbage dumps or, or where there's extreme poverty around the world. We can look even in our own, our own neighborhoods where we see people who um, have, you know, have hardly anything in the natural that are broken, who are lonely, who are depressed, who have, um, you know, loved ones who are sick or people in prison or things like that where, where people aren't in healthy and whole relationships where there is relational breakdown and people being cruel and mean to each other. You know, in the natural, these things don't look great. They don't look nice. They don't look like they should be places where, where joy should be existing. They look horrendous and, and you think in the natural there should be fear there. There should be anxiety there. There should be depression there. There should be oppression there. Um, and in the natural, um, that's what we expect. But then when we look at these people and we speak to these people, it's absent. And in place of that absence, there is joy instead. And it's puzzling. It's really puzzling in the natural because it doesn't look like there should be joy. It doesn't look like there should be, there should be smiles and, and, and whoops of exultation and, and happiness in that place. And so we were, when we were in Raleigh, I don't know if you guys have ever come across Georgian and Winnie Banov. Um, if you haven't, um, I just want to encourage you to look up their ministries. They have an incredible ministry and their ministry is all around joy. Um, and actually they have a soundtrack as well um, called Blistronica, which um, I can only um, describe as, you know, it probably sounds something that you've been smoking um, to listen to it. It is, it is really trippy. Um, it is really all over the place, but it is joy-filled and the Holy Spirit is in it. It is absolutely uh, amazing to listen to, but very out there, very different. But Holy Spirit is all over it. And their ministry is about joy. They are joy bringers. And I always remember um, we were at Preston Manor. Um, so this is going back ooh, a long time ago now, probably like 12 years ago, 10, 12 years ago. And Winnie and, um, and Georgian came. And um, he, was, he, was, he was late. Um, and 
the the worship at that time was quite sorrowful, was disjointed. Clearly, there was something up in the atmosphere. Um, you know, something wasn't quite right and clicking, and people weren't engaging. And then suddenly, George stepped into um, into the room, and something shifted. Something changed and joy broke out everywhere. He didn't even get on the microphone, but the joy anointing that he carries is so great that he just had to step into that room and it caused the atmosphere to shift. And the the reason why George and Winnie have such a strong joy ministry is because they really know the bridegroom. They really have an intimate and deep relationship with him. And because of this, And they can minister in that place and release it. And so we heard in Raleigh of them just sharing one of their um, one of their recent testimonies, where they go all over the world um, and they visit people who live on garbage dumps, essentially people in the lowest of low. They go to um, you know loads of places in India, in Africa, and they have a huge ministry actually in um, I'm going to get this wrong, Bulgaria, I think it is, Um, and they also go to Romania. Um, And they work a lot with the gypsies. And one thing um, that they were sharing is that they they were coming to this garbage dump and um, there were people there who were greeting them and they were saying, oh, no, like you shouldn't go in right now. It's not the right atmosphere. It's not the right time. Um, you know, there's a bit of unrest and things going on. And, and Winnie was like, no, I have, I have this message within me, this message of the bride and the bridegroom and that joy is going to be coming and we know that this is what we need to be released. And there before her, and she held it up in her hand, um, out of the sky flew a sash like one of those sashes you wear on your Hindu that says bride to be and it, it was in it was just pure it was white it was spotless and let's let's face it if you're on a garbage dump things are going to be messy things are going to be dirty things are going to have stains on and so this white spotless white gorgeous gleaming sash um, just flew down out of the sky and landed in front of her and she picked it up with the message bride to be and she grabbed it and she held it up and she said she ran as quick as she could past everyone to the people who needed to hear the message and in that time joy broke out because what happens in that place is in the midst of desperation in this midst of futileness and horrendousness there is a message that needs to be heard and that is the message of the bride, the message of the bridegroom. And what happens when we, when we enter into that place of knowing that you are a bride and you have a bridegroom who loves you so dearly, the, the natural reaction as we hear in what John is saying is when we embrace the message, joy naturally flows because we embrace it with enthusiasm. We embrace it with, uh, with joy in itself. Um, and I want to just talk about some other examples around it. So um, I was also reading um, a book called uh, The Adventures of Fufu, um, which some of you may have come across. Um, it is uh, a series of books um, published by Back to Jerusalem, which is Brother Yun's ministry. Um, and um, this one in particular um, was talking um, about a missionary lady called Marie Monson. She was a Norwegian missionary to China in 1929. And um, the, the story um, is based on her testimony, based on her life, and particularly in one situation that happened. 
And so um, during a trip to Shandong, um, Marie was um, on a boat um, traveling there and it was attacked by pirates and it was taken over and the ship was actually held captive for 23 days, I think it was. And in that time, the pirates held everyone hostage. Uh, they had guns, they were menacing um, and they, you know, they meant business. You know, they're not going to take over uh, the ship, um, you know, without any uh, cause for action. And in this place, the story goes, her testimony goes, that um, she, she was chatting with God. And she said, I don't understand, but you have put me here and I am here. And if I am here and you've put me here, then there is work to be done. And I can trust in you. I don't understand the situation, but I trust in your name that I am here for a reason. And so as the pirates broke through the door and were trying to order her to get to do things under gun, under, yeah, at gun range, at gunpoint, uh, gunpoint, that's the one, um, she basically said no. She said, no, I'm, I'm not going to cower. I'm not going to be in fear. I'll come with you, but I'm going to come with you on my own. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk out. And so she walked out, and there was a peace that went with her. And over the 23 days, she ministered the gospel to each and every one of the hostages and the pirates. And she was able to speak the truth about who Jesus is. And so whenever the hostages and the pirates were questioning, they were like, why are you so calm? Why are you so at peace? Why have you got joy in this moment? This is not a joyful time. This, is not, this should not be a place of peace. Like, you could die right now. And she was just like, I know God is good. And I know he's put me here. And this is the message that I'm going to preach. And so she believed the words of Christ. When she read her Bible, she believed the words that, that he declared that who he was. She believed that he said that he loved her. He be, she believed when he said that I am the greatest, that I am above every other name, that every other ne name will bow its knee to me. She believed it and she believed it was true. I, I, when I first became a Christian, I um, got this book, Jesus Freaks, and I don't know if any of you have come across it before, um, Daisy's nodding. It is an incredibly impactful book. Um, it's by DC Talk, and this is about the voice of the martyrs, and it is a book of testimony over history. Um, all, from all over the world about people who have been martyred for their faith. And you have, oh, I'm going to well up even thinking about it. You have people who are unknown, people who have given their lives to Jesus in the, in the natural. They lived their life, but they, they gave their life for him as he gave his life for them. And the messages that they bring time and time again is about the joy that it is to serve him, the joy that it is to be in relationship with him, the joy that it is to know him as their savior. And nothing can take that away from them. I just wanted to read an excerpt from one of them. Um, it's the testimony of a guy called John Denley who lived in England, uh, and this is in 1555. One day, on the way to visit some friends, John Denley was stopped and searched by the authorities who found his written confession of faith. 
steadily believed the church was built upon the apostles and prophets with Christ as its head, and that the present state church, the Church of England, was not part of this true church. This is in the time when there was a lot of discrepancy between what the churches were teaching and accuracy of what was biblical. In his time, many of its teachings were not according to the Bible. For this, he was turned over to the local government official who turned him over to the bishop for questioning. Denley would not back down from his statement of faith, so he was condemned to die and turned over to the sheriff. Within six weeks, he was sent to the stake to be burned. When they lit the wood beneath him, Denley showed no fear. He cheerfully sang a psalm as the flames rose around him. One of his tormentors picked up a piece of wood and threw it at him, hitting him in the face. He hoped to anger or silence Denley, but Denley only responded, Truly, you have spoiled a good old song. Then he spread his arms again and continued singing until he died. There are many, many stories like that in this book. Where when you truly know who Jesus is, where it's not just head revelation, where it's not just head knowledge, but it sinks in deep into the very depth of your being that he is God and that he is good and that he is the greatest and that he is with you, that he never forsakes you. There is something that happens to your, your interior there is something that happens to your state of mind, that happens to your heart, where your spirit rises up above that and declares that it doesn't matter what happens in this life because my Jesus is worth it all, because my Jesus gave it all. And in his last moments, John was singing psalms of praise to God when I don't know if in the natural, if I could, if I could do that, I'm going to be honest. And this is the thing that has always challenged me from probably the very first moment that I became a Christian, that would I have enough faith and resolve that if something like this happened to me in my time, because let's face it, we are in a time at the moment where the church, even in the Western world, is coming under persecution. It is coming under attack and we need to know what we stand on. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it and whether we're willing to fight for it. There are so many situations where even when we look in the, in the school system at the moment that can be really compared to those in North Korea. There was someone, I can't remember his name now, but there was a guy who had escaped from North Korea and he was saying, look, in, in North Korea, we are told to, to only believe what our, our, our head believes. And, and we, we're told to go against our families, against our parents, and that if the, the school is teaching us one thing and our parents are saying another thing, then it's the school that is right and not our parents. And that is what's happening in the Western society where we are being told and we are losing our voice because the school and the government and education system are, are decreeing one thing that is against what we believe. And we are losing our voice in it. So even in today's day and age, don't be misguided in thinking that we're not in a time of persecution. 
Now, we are in a time where, where we can just lay back. We are in a time where we need to rise up and truly know in the depth of our being that Jesus is who he says he is. Where it says Jesus is the head, that everything has been poured out to him. Everything has been poured out upon him and the fullness of the Holy Spirit without limitation. That everything has been given to Jesus. And that as the bride of Christ, as his beloved, as disciples, as fellowshipping with him, that we have the Holy Spirit within us. And that we need to stand firm upon our faith to be able to declare to the world that we know he is who he says he is. When you know that he is the greatest, that he is worthy of all praise. We were singing it. Aquia was leading us in it. You are worthy. I, I will not be silent. As long as I am breathing, I will worship you. I will give my, my praise to you. I will give my love to you. You know, as long as I have breath inside me. We were just singing it as well in Five Kids this morning. Praise by Elevation Worship. As long as I am breathing, I will praise you, God. It doesn't matter the circumstances. If I'm in the valley or on the mountain, I will praise you. When you know he is the greatest, that he is worthy of all praise. He is worthy of your love and your life. In the very depth of you, it changes you. It rearranges you. And it changes the relationship that you have with the love of your own life. That in the midst of trial and tribulation, you can stand firm, unwavering in faith because of a love so deep and a belief and trust in God and his goodness. That no longer does our life matter to us. Philippians 3, 7 to 9, that we can count it all as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. that I would count it all as lost for finding Christ and that I would be found in him. We can read songs like we've sung this morning, all power belongs to you, all glory belongs to you, you are a good, good father. And we can sing songs like, make me a vessel, make me whatever you want me to be. So I yield into your arms, I yield into your hands, and when I trust you, I don't need to understand. You know, again, in worship this morning, the kids were singing, way make a miracle work, a promise keep a light in the darkness. And it says, even if I don't feel it, you're working. Even if I don't see it, you're working. We can sing these songs, but when we sing them, can we sing them with integrity? Do we sing them with, with meaning? Do we sing them with belief in what we're saying? Or are they just nice words that we're singing on a Sunday together or at home? Or do you truly mean it? Do you truly believe it with everything inside of you? And so, if we're not experiencing joy of the Lord 
because in the fullness of his presence is joy. If we're not experiencing joy because it's because here it says, because of his words, my joy is complete and overflows. If we're not experiencing joy, I want to encourage you to have a bit of self-reflection, these moments of self-evaluation about do you really believe it? Do you really believe that when he says he's the greatest, that he is the greatest? Do you really believe that when, he, when God says, I'm a good father, that you know that he's a good father? Not just that he's good or that he's a father, but he's a good father and he's a good father to you. Because there's a difference. There's a difference in these levels. And we need to be a bride that understands these and, and walks in these and truly believes these. Do you truly believe that as a bride, he is your prize and that he is enough? You know, I've, I've learned that, you know, in the, in the seasons of life, we can have crushing, we can have pressing, and there's pain. But in these moments, we have a choice. Do we run? Do we hide away? Do we disengage? Do we switch off? Or do we be like John the Baptist and truly know that in your heart and soul that when he says in John 3.35, the father loves his son so much that all things have been given into his hands. And that John 3.29, that Jesus is the bridegroom and the bride belongs to him that I am the friend of the bridegroom who gets to stand nearby and listen with great joy to the bridegroom's voice. And because of his words, my joy is complete and overflows. That if he is the highest, the Lord over everything, that I too can believe those words and say those words. And so that as my fleshly self, my, my love for my own life dies through being yielded in surrender to God and to Jesus' will, I can find joy even in the crushing, even in the pain, in the midst of trial and tribulation, in the midst of fear, in the midst of persecution, In John 3.30, it talks about the importance of John diminishing. He says here, so it's necessary for him to increase and for me to be diminished. And there's that classic controversial Matt Redmond song, I'm, I must decrease so you must increase. And it's controversial because actually what, what can be taken from that line is... Is this, and, and really I think John is tackling this controversial misunderstanding. The line could read, I must decrease so Jesus may increase. That who John is, a child of God, lovingly created, Jeremiah 29, 11, I created you, I knew you in your mother's womb, I know the plans I have for you. 
that the child of God that we are must be squashed, must be killed, must be diminished in order for Jesus to increase in his Godship. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sit right with my theology. That doesn't sit right with my understanding of God being a good father or God being a good God. Because why would God want to kill me and want to squish me and want me to be diminished if he's good? And yes, some people have posited that, that you know, maybe John is talking about our fleshly self. Our fleshly self must die. Our, our sinful nature must die. And yes. I partly do agree with that. But Jesus also took care of that on the cross. Jesus already killed our sinful self. He already killed the old man. Because in Corinthians 5.17, it tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have been made new. So, from this we learn that we are a new creation. We are totally new. We are totally born again in Christ. Born again, Dan talked about it last week. We are born again. Therefore, we are, again, new creation. Our, our old self, our sin, has all been put at the cross. This is our sin. God is outside of time and space. Follow me. He died for our sins that we had done, we are currently doing, and will we'll come in the future. All of that has been dealt with on the cross in one moment. Therefore, we are, we are a new man with sanctified goals, sanctified dreams and desires that God has given us. And so God delights in giving his children good gifts. He's given us good things in us and good dreams. And so what I believe John was alluding to is that it is God's dream to have all of him in all of you. And Bill Johnson said, Jesus didn't come to earth to demonstrate what God could do. Jesus came to earth to demonstrate what man could do when filled with God. I just want to say that again. Jesus didn't come to earth to demonstrate what God could do. Jesus came to earth to demonstrate what man could do when filled with God. We have been redeemed to God, filled with his Holy Spirit in, it, in full capacity, in, in the same measure that Holy Spirit was given to Jesus when Jesus walked the earth. We walk in that same capacity, same filling of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus didn't do anything by himself. He put aside his Godship in tandem as a man, in tandem with Holy Spirit, and did everything. That we too can do that. So what I think John is trying to say here. He's trying to say all of God in all of me. And that when we have all of God in all of us, we can truly know that he is the greatest. That we won't have this wavering, this doubt, this, this um, yeah, toing and froing, this, this double-mindedness that it talks about in the Bible. But when we have all of God in all of us, we can truly know that he is the greatest, and then joy overflows. Um, Alistair Foreman, um, some of you might know, uh, was our previous um, pastor, associate pastor here. And he sent some quotes through the other day from a book called The Rest of the Gospel by Dan Stone and David Gregory. And they propose a scenario of someone standing before Jesus. And they ask him, where is the life? 
And it goes that after being in denominational churches and feeling like they are dead and dry, they tried charismatic churches that are, you know, apparently, you know, more full of life, but can chase after the emotional high and confuse those feelings of happiness with joy and with God's inner joy. And Jesus replies to the person, he says, I will give you the old news that is still the good news. I am the life. You take me into you and you have life. I live the life as you just as the father revealed his life as me. And this is what he's talking about. All of God in all of us. This is the life. So then when we have 21 years of walking in the wilderness, when we have, uh, you know, um, a wayward child, that becomes a blessing. The wilderness time becomes a blessing. The lost job becomes a a blessing. The breakdown in a marriage becomes a blessing and reveals a blessing. You've walked through the gifts um, of misery and thank God for them because you have come out the other side. And what you have come out the other side with is the most precious possession of all. You have come out with him. You have arrived at the great the great price, the pearl of great price himself. And there isn't any place else to go. He is the life. He is the place where we stop. And in that place, when we can go through all these things, filled with the fullness of God within us, it doesn't matter what happens around us because we have the one thing that is the most precious thing of all, the pearl of great price himself, Jesus. And we don't need to look any further for anything else. And when we don't need to look any further, what happens? You stop, you rest, and you find joy. John the Baptist shares that his joy is not based on emotions and on circumstances, but is deep-rooted in knowing who Jesus is and who the Father is. In the Bible, it talks about there being a narrow path and a small gate to get through to Jesus, the life. And this here in in John, he's showing us how to do that, how to walk that narrow path and go through that small gate. Because there is something beautiful that happens when faith goes deep in a person. It changes them. It brings you to the end of yourself. And when you're at the end of yourself, it brings a calmness, a stillness, a peace, and a joy that is like no other. And that is what these people had. This is what the disciples and apostles had. The people of the new, in in the early church, that's what they had. This deep-rootedness of knowing Jesus. When you look into the eyes of the Father, when you search him and you know that he is trustworthy, that is a a beautiful place. You know, I I see I have some people in my life, Dan's parents, uh, Phil and Heather Warren who run a church in Jersey, the Arnots. I, I look at these people in my life and they have a deep rooted faith that is unshakable and immovable. And they are, they are incredible generals 
in the kingdom. They are incredible lovers of Christ. And they are incredible weapons against the enemy, let's face it. When you have a faith like that, it does a lot of damage to the kingdom of darkness. And so I know that I can, I look at these people and I think, man, I want a faith like that. I want a faith that runs so deep within me that I can lose myself and count it all as loss. That I can rest in that place holding on to the prize that is Jesus himself. And so we're going to do some ministry with five minutes to spare. Look at that. <laughs> we're going to do some ministry. Um, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to pray. Some of you, whoop, I got it. I'm going to create space. I love creating space. Space for me is really important for engaging with God. Um, and so we're just going to create some space. Alona, would you be able to tinkle on the, the keys? <laughs> Thank you, sweetie. Um, and we're just going to pray. And so some of you may want to stay where you are. Some of you may want to come to the front. Some of you may want to lie down. Some of you may... I actually find sometimes I face the wall, to be honest. <laughs> I stand like this sometimes, where there's nothing, just me and the wall. Um, whatever it is that you need right now just to engage with God, just begin to engage with Him. Because what I feel that God is wanting to release today is a faith so deep, a faith so immovable and unshakable. We don't want to be lukewarm. We don't want to be cold. We want to be burning on fire. But that comes from a place of deep yearning and deep groaning as deep cries out to deep within us, as we cry out from the very depths of our hearts, give me Jesus, that he really is the place where I stop, the place where I rest, that I don't need to look to the left, that I don't need to look to the right, that I don't need to look for the things of the earth to fulfill me, but my fulfillment can be found in him, that my fulfillment is only found in him. And so, Lord, right now, I ask for each and every person present and who's online and will watch again, God, that you would come and fill us with an immovable faith, a faith that runs deep within us, deep within our veins, God, that says it doesn't matter what the world looks like, it doesn't matter what my life looks like, but that I count it as loss for the sake of gaining you. That to yield to you, to, to yield to you in everything, in all that I am, is more important. Because this life is fleeting, it's perishable, it's momentary. But to die to this life, to die to my flesh, that I would gain you, oh God. That you would be my all, that you would be my one, that you would be my saving grace. You would be the one that I run to, the one that I look to, the one that I yearn for. That God, you would be it all. And God, in this place, let it change us, let it rearrange us. And 
I can literally just see that inside some of us, we're going to be going on a journey where your insides are going to be moved around. And you know what? That's painful. If any of you have been pregnant and you're stretched as this thing inside of you is growing, your body has to adapt, your body has to change, your body has to give in to it, your body has to yield to the process, to what is going on, so that something can be birthed. And so God, in this place, God, we prophesy a birthing of a deep faith, God. Would you cause a birthing of a deep faith that goes beyond circumstances, that goes beyond head knowledge? that goes even beyond heart knowledge, God, and would go deep within us, that our spirits would be one with you, that our spirit would testify to you, O God. And as I was praying this week, I felt that some of us expect to grow upward like a tall redwood tree and that your goal is to grow high up to the sun. But I felt God is saying, I'm growing you this way and that way. I'm growing you up and down and round and round. That you need to get rid of old expectations of what growth looks like and you need to adjust your perspective. Growth isn't one directional. Growth happens in many ways. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would make us people of yielding, of surrender to you. That you would take us on a journey of this narrow path. That we would walk it with you day by day. And God, never let us stray. Never let us stray from that narrow path. surrender as faith grows deep within us would that joy that John speaks of would that joy overflow would it erupt within us would it burst forth like a fountain of praise upon you God would we pour back in joy the oil that has been put inside of us would we pour back the water the river of life as you declare that you are the life that we would pour it back upon you, God. That it is our joy, our deep-rooted, seated joy to be called yours. That our mouths would not be silent, but we would declare you are worthy, you are holy, You are worthy, you are holy, you are worthy, you are holy, you are worthy, you are holy. And some of you, I just feel, just need to declare that now. 
just open your mouths and begin declaring who He is. Jesus, You are the greatest. You are the highest. You are the loftiest in nature. You are the beginning. You are the end. You are everything in between. You are Messiah. You are Saviour. You are grace. You are friend. You are counsellor. You are faithful. You are true. You are the way, the truth and the life. You are the light that shines in the darkness. You are the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper. This is who you are. This is who you are. And God, as we come to that place before you, as we come to that place of deep surrender, of deep trust in you, as it goes beyond our very flesh and our very being, that we can't even rationalize it in our heads, that we couldn't even explain it to the world because it is deeper than that. That God, we would hold on to you. We would hold on to your hands. We would hold on to your feet. We would hold on to the hem of your garment. And we would walk with you. We would sit with you. We would rest with you. That, Lord, you would blind our eyes to the distractions of the world that would try to tell us otherwise. Because in our hand is the pearl of great price. The great price that you paid and the great price that it is to, to truly know you. But that it would be our joy. Our joy, 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 our joy to count it all as loss. So let the great exchange happen. The great exchange of the old for the new. flame would go. You know, I was listening to a, a song and it said that I would even put down my old flame, that I would carry the new fire today. Some of us need to put down the old flames, the things that we've been holding on to even though that they were good at the time. We need to put down the old flame, that we would carry the fresh fire that the fresh fire would fall. everything that has been capping your faith, everything that has not allowed you to see your circumstances, because I see a lot of hearts that are truthful in the room, and I see a lot of hearts that they're like, but I want, I want to believe, I want to believe, like the testimonies that Ashley was, was releasing and everything that was sharing, you're like, I want to be like that, I want to be like that, I want to be like that, but I can't, I just fall short, 
short every single time. So right now in the name of Jesus, I just break everything that has been capping your faith, everything that has not been allowing you to see from the way, from the perspective of heaven, the way that God sees, I speak right now. Faith arise. People of God, come up. Come up. Come up. I release now. I release now this invitation of seeing life the way God sees it. Of just believing and it doesn't matter about the circumstances. So if you have been capped if you feel like you need this, like this thing removed, and this almost like when Saul um, got the scales removed from his eyes, if you feel that you need this surge of, of faith, this new surge of seeing from God's perspective, come, 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 come to the front because I believe that the Lord is doing something right now and he has already started doing it with this guys. But if you want, if you want, want this new surge of faith if you want this thing this cap to be removed just come just come and let's let's fight for it together but right now i just speak new perspective i just speak new levels of faith arising i just speak i just speak right now everything that has capped your faith it is illegal in Jesus name it is it is illegal and the people of God will surge and the people of God will come up high so people of God I just call you I just call you to new heights I just call you to new levels in Jesus name faith arise faith arise faith arise right now in Jesus name and if you're on ministry team just come and lay hands on people if you're receiving and you're part of the ministry team do not worry just carry on receiving but right now I just speak we are the ones that will have the faith we are the ones the testimonies will come from us we will be the ones that will have the testimonies books are amazing and everything that but we are here right now and we are here today and we are the ones called to be the testimony so right now every single thing that has come against the people of God to, to steal faith and to not allow you to believe I just break it right now in Jesus name I break everything that has kept faith in God's children and I declare it illegal right now in Jesus mighty name you know God is doing something deep where he really is in the, the business of, of change and encounter but as we draw to a close I, I want to finish with just the prayer
And so God, I just declare over this church, people watching that we want to be walking that path with you. leads us to the place of sweet surrender, of yielding into your hands, into your arms, where we can be filled completely.